Okay, folks, we are finally on the line with a much-anticipated interview that I was looking forward to. A friend and colleague of, of Eustace Mullins, who uh, everyone out there uh, who knows me knows uh, uh, I, a long time I've respected, highly respected Eustace Mullins and his, uh, his contributions to uh, the truth movement. Um, Chuck Carlson, uh, welcome to our, our forum here at RTR Truth Media. Um, it's it's finally nice to finally sit down and, and talk with you. Uh, one of my uh, my diehard supporters, Catherine, I'd like to give a, a shout out to who's kind enough to put us in communication with one another. Um, this uh, I'm dedicating this episode to her uh, for all the the hard work that she does and information that she sends me. Um, so welcome to RTR. Thank you and thanks to Catherine. I'm delighted for the introduction and glad to get to meet you finally. Yes, sir. And uh, we are looking forward to this. Uh, we think it's a, a great venue and a good opportunity for us to get parts of our story across, and we hope that it contributes. Yes, sir. Well, you know, you and I have, um, we have a, a much, you know, I guess, uh, in common. Um, for, for those of uh, listeners out there who may not know that uh, my mother and I were longtime members of the John Birch Society, uh, and until I started delving deep into the this uh truth movement well whatever you want to call it um and i started hearing rumors about how the rockefellers did this and then the candy company and how they infiltrated and then one of the things that bothered me uh was that many of the members uh who i'd become friends with were uh as i was becoming awakened to to zionism and especially the oxymoron of christian zionism uh, i found that a lot of the members there were hoodwinked by um, by Zionism too, and that was that was kind of a, a bother to me. I always uh, stay in touch with a lot of those fellows that woke up and pulled themselves out of it. But you know, um, you know that I wanted to, to just mention this because you know a lot of people in this conspiracy conspiracy crowd they're oh they're John Birchers watch out. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> I, there, I, there we are. There we were. Right. Yeah, I mean, equal equal opportunity criticizer, and and what attracted me to the Birchers were the. I mean, uh, I I I hate. I cannot stand cultural Marxism and communism. So I'm an anti-communist. So that's what, of course, what attracted me um, to uh, to that, which attracts a lot of people to it. I imagine you too. Uh, absolutely. And uh, also the fact that uh, they were very strong moral people, most uh, usually from the Middle West. Uh, yes. Uh, very dedicated people, and we're trying to do the right thing, and uh, that's that's in itself attractive. Yes, yes. Uh, and of course, uh, this uh, this problem with uh, uh, that you mentioned with Christian Zionism uh, goes hand in glove with the Middle Eastern churches uh, of our day, and. Uh, this became a, a big issue with us, and uh, uh, it was not something that we could change uh, in the John Birch Society. So we ended up finding our own way. Uh, however, we're grateful for some of the things they did. Yes, absolutely. I, so I, they taught us, and people they introduced us to. Yes, and a lot of information, especially historical information about our founding and, and, and different things that um, um, that I, I'm grateful uh, that, to have been exposed to. What? When I started exposing some of my fellow uh, Birchers there to, um, to the the fact that the Fourteenth Amendment was never lawfully ratified and a lot of the usurpations that happened in our history, um, the 
the official leadership wasn't too happy about all of that because they're staunch constitutionalists. Uh, they didn't want to hear that there had been a um, there had been a part of the Constitution that had been perverted. But that is in fact the case. I mean, if you can consider uh, in in one state, uh, representatives were kidnapped and forcefully brought to be uh, forced to sit in their quorum to pass a, an amendment that expanded the federal government in size and scope. That uh, I called the Fourteenth Amendment the Communist Amendment. Uh, because it created a huge central planning bureaucracy that that the communists already they dreamed of, um, and I think it just empowered. Uh, well, anyway, that's a whole another story for another day. But getting back, to the, uh, excuse me, but one of the one of the things that uh, was good that came out of it was introduction. I, that's where I met Eustace Mullins. Yes, we're going to be talking about today, who I think is a great star in the heroic movement uh, in our history. Yes. Uh, and uh, exposed and wrote about and and clarified a lot of things. And so things like that did come through our experiences, and I think I'm grateful for my experiences. Yes, yes. Uh, and we, Most of them. He opened, he opened my eyes uh, especially to the Federal Reserve System, which is, of course, neither federal uh, nor is a reserve. I love how they, they cleverly name things to to be the exact opposite of what they are. And that's what they always do. Deception, deception, deception. So um, would you tell us a little bit now, uh, when I found out that you were a founder, founding member of We Hold These Truths, uh, uh, that uh, this is something that um, I'm very familiar with. Uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. Um, in 2002, uh, I had a opportunity to go to the Middle East and uh, travel through Egypt, um, where I got my camel, uh, and uh, my pet camel, and uh, uh, and then uh, uh, finally, uh, by a backdoor connection, I managed to get into the Gaza Strip, uh, where I knew a missionary who uh, lived there, worked there, a family that was there, and uh, we managed to get in, and uh, there I had the life-changing experience of uh, I'm watching a Israeli uh, missile raid uh, that might have been as many as uh, 75 missiles. Uh, they were guided missiles fired from U.S. helicopters. They were uh, Apaches made right here in the United States. Um, and uh, they killed four people and wounded 40 more. I don't know how many of the 40 survived. I went and marched in the parade the next day or walked behind it, I should say, hiding behind it. And I saw uh, the travesty that's going on in the Middle East close up from my own eyes by absolute accident, just a, a freak of being there at that particular night. Wow. Uh, so uh, this was my introduction to um, what is really going on in the Middle East. And uh, it was uh, quickly thereafter decided by a half a dozen of us who got together that what was most needed was uh, some Christian organization or organization of predominantly Christians? They weren't. We weren't. All, all of us weren't. But uh, that that would uh, expose what is going on in the Middle East in terms of um, the warring against the Palestinian people in the name of uh, the state of Israel. And uh, so this was what we decided to do, and we made it our effort and objective to inform America's churches, uh, both the mainline churches, the old traditional churches, uh, but originally we focused upon uh, the uh, evangelical churches 
that were accepting the idea that the state of Israel in the Middle East was the fulfillment of God's promise and therefore was favored above all else by God and must not be interfered with in any way by we Christians. This essentially became our definition of what we now call Christian Zionism. And we coined that term. Uh, the term Christian Zionism, of course, we knew that it was an oxymoron to begin with. You cannot be a Zionist and a Christian at the same time because one stands for peace and love and the other uh, is ready for war and death at any time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we decided that the term Christian Zionism uh, would never be accepted by any churches and we would use it to uh, explain this abuse that's going on. Uh, we have since found out, however, that a number of the churches that practice this black art uh, actually do call themselves Christian yeah. Zionists. They ended up embracing it, yeah. They ended up embracing it and even accept it as a legitimate a form of religion, yeah. which we will never do. Yeah, but I, I, I call it a Christian Talmudism or... or um, exactly. Yeah, it's just not. It's it's and and what did and I I like to say Christian Talmudism because if anybody who knows, you know, Jesus's words to the Pharisees were rather clear um, when he addressed them on the oral traditions and he said you know your your doctrines of uh, men make the the law of of the Father of none effect. He was addressing the oral traditions which would eventually become written down as the Talmud, uh, and he was very clear about this and. Absolutely. It, it just it amazes me how how people can profess to be Christians and embrace uh, an ideology for, of a people who who accept Talmudism and essentially that it's, it is a form of supremacism that that all of us are are essentially second class citizens or even beasts uh, in some respects, not even men. Uh, it's just, it's a very scary uh, situation. It, I, my heart bleeds for these people because they're so brainwashed. Absolutely. And uh, our, our efforts are to try to change and inform them. But uh, we've also realized that this is a very slow process and we need to go faster. And uh, we've become to, be, begun to realize that if we go to the mainline churches and explain to them, what Christian Zionism is all about, they don't have much trouble understanding it. Yeah. They can quickly grasp not only what it is, but what's wrong with it. So we have commenced to attempt to reach Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Catholics, other believers uh, who follow Jesus' words, and uh, at least try to, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and uh, explain to them that they need to be active participants in correcting their brothers who are in the Southern Baptist Convention and the other Zionist leaning churches yes yes uh, which by the way make up um, the primary support base for the whole movement oh uh, oh yes I I dare say without without the support of Christian Zionism in America um, Israel wouldn't be anywhere near as far along in in its uh, its endeavors as it, it has found itself. Uh, I don't think that many of these wars in the Middle East would have ever happened. We believe that. We believe that uh, that the, 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 the Zionist, Christian Zionist movement 
did result in and foster most of the wars we've had in the Middle East. Of course, the purpose of these wars are other, there are other purposes for these wars. Um, sure. They weren't just to satisfy Israel's bloodlust. No, um, no, 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 no. They have, they have the definite business purposes that are carried out by business interests in America. And always have. Uh, they funded just about both sides of every war since the, you know, the past at least several hundred years. Um, uh, you know, some people call it Rothschild Zionism, and I don't think that that's uh, a terribly inaccurate uh, descriptor, considering who who financially uh, and logistically used their connections to see uh, to that the state would come into fruition. Um, and a lot of these interests look at, at the um, uh, what is it the uh, the Golan Heights uh, with Genie Oil, who owns Genie Oil. Rothschild, Cheney, uh, and um, uh, and Rupert Murdoch, uh, and now the United States has declared that you know uh, they recognize Israel's claim over the Golan Heights and all of the natural resources that uh, you know it's just it's it's so it's so obvious to anyone who just removes the blinders from from their eyes. Uh, and who was it that said, and, and scrubs the communist soap suds from their brain? <laughs> we, like to try to, uh, we like to try to explain it in, in a little uh, image that you can picture. And uh, may I? Uh, the, uh, oh, sure, please, go ahead. We, what, we, uh, what we look at is the war movement, especially in the Middle East, but not limited to the Middle East, but especially there. The one we're in the midst of now, where we've uh, seen at least five or six countries in the Middle East thrown down, and each one of them was a powerful oil producer, and three or four more major oil producers, some that we rarely hear of, such as South Sudan, mm -hmm. are under enormous pressure right now to uh, for someone to take over, take them over and control their oil. So there's always the faction that wants to take over. Um, we, uh, we uh, picture this as a kind of a pyramid. A three-sided object, if you can picture one of those Middle Eastern pyramids uh, in Egypt sticking up there in the air, yep. hundreds of feet. Uh, one side of the pyramid to us is the, uh, is the pressure for the war machine itself. The idea that we always have businessmen who can make a very good living out of war, and we have plenty of these companies from Boeing to Lockheed to General Dynamics, um, all of which participated in the raid I witnessed in Gaza in 2002. Uh, all of them had a stake in it. And, uh, and then hundreds of other companies that uh, are in this war complex, we don't label them evil, they're operated by people like ourselves, but they have an interest in war. The second side of the pyramid that we see is where does the money come from side? And this is where our mutual friend Eustace Mullen came in and explained to you and to me so well, so much better than I would have ever known without him, uh, how this money machine actually works to finance wars and all kinds of other mechanisms around the world, but uh, particularly the, the financing of wars by essentially creating or printing money out of nowhere, yep. out of fair. It is the inflation machine that runs things and strangely enough, and bizarre as it may seem, it isn't controlled by anybody in our country. It's an international, internationally controlled cabal that is above 
our president. So we, we, when we hear our president say he's going to throttle the Federal Reserve yeah. or he's going to demand they do this or that, uh, we can just chalk that up as self-serving uh, self-amusement uh, because this system basically is independent. It is above and created above our government. Well, Alan Greenspan kind of made that clear when he was asked uh, that question. He was uh, painfully, brutally honest. And, uh, you know, I, I play that clip often. Uh, Good. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to hear it myself. Yeah. have heard it. Um, and then the, the third side of this pyramid that all meet at the top is that there has to be somehow created uh, an uninformed support, an uninformed, broad uh, public support, hopefully from a very moral, upstanding segment of the economy that basically supports the ideas of these first two machines, the war machine and the money machine. And it, it has to basically be large enough and influential enough to actually cause others to go along with it to where this whole notion of continuous war can be sold. That has turned out to be what we have come to call the Christian Zionist movement. I, I, I come to call them to the what Stalin used to call his uh, uh, foot soldiers are useful idiots. I hate to say it, and I don't, I don't mean that as a as a as a derogatory insult to them to to uh, you know to assault their senses, but this is what Stalin uh, yeah, and he said that they would never realize that the people that would that would uh, uh, put them in positions of power, they would never realize what it was and who it was they were serving or what they were doing, and he called them useful idiots, and that's who I kind of look at the Christian Zionists as being. But good, good. good. I, I, I can probably say I was never completely one of them, but I was certainly raised and uh, lived for, for some decades within their system mm -hmm. and, became, and knew it very well. I was a deacon in a Baptist mm -hmm. church. Uh, I, I participated in these things. And I finally began to see through these war problems and realize there was something wrong that just did not equate with what Jesus said. And of course, our approach to this Christian Zionist group is to point out what Jesus said about peace, loving your brother, loving even your enemy, and nothing ever that would ever support any kind of a war or an armed conflict against anyone. No. So uh, this is uh, basic Christianity 101. And uh, it's been violated by this third face of this ugly triangle. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I challenge should... all I challenge all Christians to please show me anywhere in the New Testament that it justifies more bombs for Jesus. Exactly, and there, and it's not found. It isn't found in clever language. It isn't found disguised. It isn't found hidden in some other phrase or place or said by somebody else for him. It's just not there. Christianity is about peace and love. And uh, so this is our approach, then, is to try to educate on these three fronts. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that uh, sounds Frankly, about right to me. Is one with the Christian Zionists. It sounds about right to me. We do, we do owe a lot to Eustace Mullen and the people that taught us how the money part of this worked, because if we wouldn't have been able to understand that, we would have never understand where the wars came from. Uh, very true. Uh, I consider him one of my, uh, my mentors. Uh, really gave me the, the the footing, the basis for the realization that something was very wrong. And it led me down many other paths of discovery just from uh, from the books uh, and the conversations. And uh, so, I mean, just uh, 
so many areas that now that that I can see, and they're all tied into it. Seems like um, some people will say, you know, when when I I try and make connections, like uh, with, when it comes to the Kennedy the Kennedy brothers and their assassination, and um, a lot of other world events, uh, the hands behind it, the, the people uh, behind it. Um, people say, "Oh, you you see them that you think that they 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 do everything." No, it's it's not that I think has nothing to do with what I think. Um, it's what it's very simply what the world is prevented from hearing or seeing about. Uh, just as simple as the um, as the man who killed uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, we they, they always call him Jack Ruby, and and even the Oliver Stone JFK movie that shows you. Jack Ruby. That doesn't give you the background of who Jack Rubenstein really was. He was a Jewish gangster who was uh, tied in with uh, uh, Mickey Cohen and Meyer Lansky, and and uh, there were networks of, of gangsters, and they, they don't tell you any of this stuff. They, they don't teach you any of this stuff. Um, or, or the fact that uh, Kennedy demanded inspectors to go into Demona, uh, to their nuclear facility there in Israel, and he was he was back and forth with Ben Gurion about it. Uh, ben Gurion ended up having to step down, um, and come to find out, uh, Venunu, uh, the the new mech, uh material that that disappeared out of Pennsylvania ended up going to Israel. So Kennedy knew he, he knew he and his brother knew what was going on, but uh, as he was pressuring Israel uh, to get in there for those nuclear inspectors, and he also. Uh, Bobby Kennedy was trying to push the Zionist Organization of America to register as foreign agents, and then both of those brothers are taken out simultaneously, and their replacements turn around and go full tilt. They don't worry about the inspectors. They don't worry about the Zionist Organization of America. They're doing the exact opposite than what the Kennedy brothers were trying to accomplish. So I think that that, it, at very least, is relevant in the discussion. Um, you know... Absolutely. So anyway, well, we like to concentrate our discussion, our, our our efforts, and we hold these truths. We like to concentrate, of course, on the Christian Zionist sure. idea because this is where the good people are who need to be changed. Uh, we'd like to see them change because we think that would produce permanent change. And uh, we uh, we would like, of course, to see the Federal Reserve abolished, and we're happy to talk about oh, yeah. that. We have uh, plenty of uh, things from. Eustace, Eustace Mullins and others in my own experience too, that uh, lead me to understand how this uh, how this uh, illegal banking system, a cartel of crime, essentially financing what they want to finance, uh, regardless of economic conditions, uh, it goes on here and it's going on in other countries. Yeah, and it's um, not remotely constitutional. It never was remotely constitutional, and it still got rammed down our throats. No, no, no. Uh, only Congress uh, shall um, f f finance yep. money. Only, only Congress has the power to print That's money, right. establish the value thereof. Yep. Isn't that in the Constitution? Yes. Uh, and where did we get this Federal Reserve in 1913 that uh, that uh, simply does that every day yes. in front of us and uh, and then tells us we have to liken our money. Yeah, if, if anybody else did what the Fed did, they would be underneath, a, they'd be buried underneath a prison. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, sir. Hmm. So, Christian Zionism, just, what a, what a, uh, look at Pastor Hagee, my God, that, 
that behemoth of an organization. And he just, I mean, when you listen to him, it's just all about, if he said the name Jesus Christ half as many times as he said the word Israel, uh, I would be, I, I think I'd fall out of my chair. I mean, it's just, it seems like he's worshiping an idol in, 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 in the foreign state. One of, one of the little exercises we've done is to go to uh, church, church meetings and, uh, and after the meeting point out how few times Jesus' name is mentioned. And in some cases, uh, he, he doesn't get mentioned at all in some of these Zionist meetings. Uh, John Hagee and some of his crowd have noticed that we've said this and they're starting to plug in Jesus' name a few times just for a fact. Yeah. But it's usually in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the Zionist church. Because all of the conversation is about uh, uh, the, uh, the ideas they're trying to put forward, the people they're trying to fund, and so on. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so sad. So sad to see so many people so hoodwinked. You know, good people. There's a lot of good people I knew. I mean, uh, uh, otherwise, every aspect uh, of their lives, um, relatively just normal, everyday, uh, red-blooded American folks, man. And they're just, uh, they're swept away. I remember um, butting heads with this gentleman. He calls himself Wild Bill for America. And I used to watch his videos all the time because he was a, he seemed like a, um, I don't know, like a Tea Party uh, constitutionalist. And you know, a lot of the things that he said resonated with me. And then he started uh, in with the Israel thing. And then he, he went after people that were advocating on behalf of the USS Liberty and called us a bunch of Jew-hating uh, uh, anti-Semites. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You went from talking like a constitutional patriot to a Bolshevik in, in 3.2 seconds. I mean, you're talking yeah. about literally bolshevik style laws that censor people and silence what they say and and prevent them from being able to spend or not spend their money where they choose to spend it or not to spend it this this is not anything remotely american and here we have this this guy in a cowboy hat that just it just uh break, it breaks my heart it really does well tom we we think we, we hold these truths really think that the key to this is of course uh, unwinding uh, that, that part of the pyramid, the face of the pyramid, that has Christian Zionists written on it. But, but we also think in order to do that, these people have to be led to understand what the Federal Reserve is doing to their money, their futures, their uh, children's future, the future of our country. They need to understand that. Uh, and uh, when, we can get, uh, the, uh, when we can get the Christian uh, part the Christian face of the pyramid to recognize the uh, the the side of the pyramid across the top from them, the one that says uh, uh, the Federal Reserve and the money supply. When we can get uh, the, the the Christian side to understand that side of it, I think the whole pyramid is going to fall apart because it's hollow inside. The faces of it are strong, powerful looking. Uh, it looks like it could withstand anything. It looks like those Egyptian pyramids. Uh, but in fact, it is an empty shell. And it's kept alive by, by virtue of the great war lies that are carried on, uh, the, uh, the amount of, huge amount of propaganda. 
and the way it's been able to influence America's churches to not take any kind of a stand uh, on these questions yes. of morality, not just questions of uh, not just questions of Jesus' name, but questions of morality and war, yes, killing. Yes, yes, absolutely. In their name. And uh, we do believe that uh, the answer to this is going to resort back to the, uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the Christians at the core of these churches on the face of that, uh, on the face of, face of that pyramid. And when that happens, it's going to be uh, something to behold. There's going to be, uh, there's, there's going to be a collapse like you've never seen. Picture a, a, a pyramid as tall as the Egyptian pyramid that's hollow inside and it collapses. What that's going to look like? That that will look uh, that will look puny, small, and and dusty compared to what our our system is going to look like when awakening finally does take well, place. I, I pray. Uh, I pray for that. That would be that would be an awesome thing. We need to have an awakening. Uh, another reformation, I guess. <laughs> another reformation, right. Yes, sir. Well, there have been many reformations during, during out the, throughout the yes, century. Yes, so yes, why not one more? It's time for one. Yes, I, I agree with you. Um, okay, we're, we're at... 30 minutes exactly on Christian Zionism, and I would like to, I'm going to pause real quick. Hang on one second. Christian Zionism, isn't it, isn't it just one of those things that just, uh, we're, we're all in pursuit of trying to wake people up. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to revisit this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Chuck Carlson is going to be back with me again. This is just part one of, of probably several parts. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, again more in the future about Eustace Mullins, but uh, why don't you tell me a little bit, just a little bit about what you were just uh, uh, saying before we, we came back on. Well, um, okay, I, my experience uh, was to meet Eustace Mullins some years later, but uh, in 1962, uh, actually 1963, I ended up in New York in a training class uh, on Wall Street by one of the big 10 brokerage firms. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the guy they hired to do the class, his name was Lohman, Philip Lohman. Philip was a uh, Ivy League professor at one of the universities, um, Vermont or somewhere. Uh, he uh, came down to Wall Street because he had a, uh, a young, uh, expensive wife. He needed more money. And uh, so he took a job as a training director for this big brokerage firm. And his pet love was the Federal Reserve System, and he introduced it to me for the first time. He told me all about the Federal Reserve System. He told us, all of us in the class, that if we could learn to think like they did, follow their example, and then go follow their, and do what they did, we'd never have to worry about being wrong, and we'd never have to worry about money. Wow. Uh, he went on to uh, laud the Federal Reserve for the whole six months that we were there. Uh, and, I, and I went down and visited the five, floor deep vault in the Fed, took my new wife with me. Uh, we looked through the grates. We saw the gold stacked up on the floor in the fifth, fifth store basement in little cages that represented countries, uh, Germany here, Japan there, China there, the US over here in a big pile inside these things. And, uh, and this was our, my introduction to there being a Federal Reserve System. Um, and uh, a few years later, uh, of course, Eustace Mullen 
Uh, Mullins became a friend. He stayed with me at my home in uh, Phoenix. Uh, and uh, we took him around uh, to uh, meetings, put on programs for him. He spoke. We always He always drew great audiences because he was so knowledgeable and had this incredible experience that will just have to relate to you. It just goes beyond imagination what he learned yes. and uh, from his uh, experience in, uh, in discovering the Federal Reserve and what it really did and what it was really all about and who really owned it, mm -hmm. controlled it and why. And so uh, that's, uh, I think, would be a good part two. Oh, I think that would be an excellent part two. And, um, you know, I, I, I thank you for, for joining us uh, today. And for, for those uh, folks out there that are wondering when a part two is coming, uh, Chuck and I plan on having regular conversations, and I plan on recording all of them. And, uh, you know, just like a lot of Eustace's uh, recordings have been uh, preserved, thank goodness, I think it's important that we do preserve all of these recordings for posterity and for future generations. Um, you know, so you can never let it be said that we didn't, we didn't try and inform as many people as we could, right? So that's our duty. It's our dedicated duty to do that, I, I believe. So, um, and it's my pleasure to be on with you. Um, thank I'll you. Look forward to it, Tom. Thank you. It's, it's a, the honor and, and pleasure is mine, sir, and, and I look forward to part two. And ladies and gentlemen, part two will be coming very soon, probably just within uh, uh, maybe a few days or a week or so. We'll, 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 we'll be back at this regularly. So stay tuned. All right, for this is Tom Lacavera Stewart, RTR Truth Media. We'll see you next time for the Republic Broadcasting Network.